0: Uh, hello and welcome back to the Rugby Rewind podcast. Uh, cheers for tuning into another episode. Just had 3k listens on the podcast actually, Toby. I don't know if you've seen that. Just took I have for that recently. Yeah, it's, it's a great all, achievement. It's uh, all thanks to guys like we've roped in today. The guys who uh, have a lot more interesting tales to tell than we do. We've roped in Ben Castle. I mean, former chief Bayer Plenty steamer, played a bit over in Wales and France as well. Certainly done the rounds on and off the field. So, how are you, Ben?
1: Oh, I'm good, thanks guys. Thanks for having me on. I've certainly certainly done the rounds alright. More and more clubs than Greg Norman, as people have said to me. That's alright, <laughs> though. That.
0: It's all, just, all the more interesting tales to tell.
1: Yeah, yeah, so they say. So they say. No, I've had a pretty pretty good time um, with rugby.
0: Yeah, I've been chomping at the bit to get you on this as soon as I did the write-up on the steamer's team from 04, which I'm sure we'll touch on down the line. But yeah, as soon as I did that, I just needed to hear some of the tales from well any of you lads in the team, really.
1: Yeah, that was a pretty pretty special time, and um, yeah, a bit of a some parts of it are a blur, obviously, especially the celebrations. I, I don't think I remember much uh, the Sunday night from a few hours post game uh, until about the <laughs> Wednesday, but um, and then when we defended it as well, it's the same thing. But yeah, a pretty special time in rugby to remember those sorts of things. The Renfrew Shield.
0: No doubt we'll go into some details on that later and yeah. hopefully jog your memory a bit, if we can yeah. get past a few of the uh, bevs. But anyway, <laughs> uh, before that, Toby's got a wee question we start with for all our guests, so fire away for that like, Toby.
2: I do. Our Hall of Fame question, um, and now in this Hall of Fame, it's not your normal Hall of Fame. We can put anything you want into the Hall of Fame, rugby-related, of course. It could be some shoes. It could be, well, we've got Stephen Donald's kicking there, there, I think. We've got a bunch of things in there, actually, uh, but it can be anything rugby-related. What would you like to put in our Hall of Fame, so to speak?
1: In your Hall of Fame,
2: uh,
1: I would—I'd um, probably put uh, Matt Stevens' Lions jersey um, that we the Bay played against the Lions in two thousand and five, and we swapped jerseys uh, at the end. Um, so, having a Lions jersey that was actually worn against us um, in that 05 five series—that's pretty special. Not. Uh, I mean the Rampley Shield jersey—they're all pretty special. Uh, but we wore the same one the next week, but up against the Lions, um, and then getting it at the end of the game. Um, yeah, to say you played the Lions—it was pretty cool. So the yeah, number Matt Stevens jersey—he's pretty—he's had a pretty colourful career as well. So there's a bit of yeah, bit of, he's uh, been on the block. One.
0: absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Sharks so, for a period from my memory, yep. which not many Englishmen go and do. No, but he's South African born
1: on Matt Stevens, so oh, I think he wanted yeah. to go back to his roots at one point. But uh, I think that was after the Bath debacle when he was getting in all sorts of trouble uh, for his off-field, uh, off-field yeah. uh, shenanigans, as they say. So yeah, that that uh, that Lions jersey is is pretty cool. That's a that's a Hall of
0: Fame item. Um, I'd love to say Matt Stevens is a chuck in the Ben Castle Bay of Plenty jersey in his Hall of Fame too. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine it's up on the mantelpiece. Oh yeah, I, I
1: doubt, yeah. Who would know? <laughs> surely
0: oh it's a great pick though that's another match we're going to have to go into detail on it's one i know we've talked about having a watch on the podcast before had a we chat to colin bork about it a bit too so i know how yeah, like, oh, a match that was
1: yeah it was It was pretty special at Roto-Row. I'd never seen so many people there at the at the hungy pit as we call it
0: yeah pile oh, them really around right. on the old banks that's right anyway before we even get uh, into the npc stuff Keen to chat about your journey into rugby and kind of memories, how well how rugby started out for you, memories of schoolboy footy, anything like that?
1: Yeah, well, um, well, I guess like any uh, like a, a number of Kiwi kids, probably less today, but uh, you know, you d- it was a pretty clear choice it was football or, or soccer or rugby, and I just uh gravitate to rugby, probably forced by the uh, by the old man, as as, as few kids have, but you know, back in those days, you, you're playing tackle it at five or six years old and, and into it uh, and never really looked back. But I was actually playing in the backs. I was a, I fancied myself as, um, as quite fast, which uh, came, all came crashing down at, uh, when I was form two or 12 years old when I moved from a fullback position or so I thought it was fullback to prop
0: now that is a um, heck of a move not me pull that one off
1: yeah so suddenly i've gone from fullback thinking you know i've got all the skill set which uh, clearly uh was some in some sort of dream world uh and then the the coach said right you you have to go to prop and and that was it i played prop you know you, you talk to other props who have played all sorts of positions flanker or you know some even lock around the backs you know all through school and things but no I've been a prop since I was uh, pretty much 12 years old so I was thrown into that uh, and then yeah playing I went to Wellington College uh, here in, uh, in Wellington where I'm based now and yeah playing rugby uh, through school but you know enjoyed your summer sport as well and that's one yeah, thing. Ask around.
0: what other sports you played. A of cricket? You rolled the arm yeah, over at any point? Yeah, a
1: bit of cricket, but, um, you know, being a prop, you're not you're not sort of designed for any uh, long run-ups and um, a lot of fast bowling, so I tended to... Oh, yeah. uh, Just tended swing bit, the bat. <laughs> yeah, a bit of swinging of the bat, so... A uh, bit of cricket in the summer, but it was pretty pretty basic back then, you know? There were two sports, and you kind of knew when summer was, and you knew when winter was, so you did that, and um, it also... Yeah, uh, wasn't um well it was just becoming professional so it wasn't necessarily a, a, a as, as full-on as it is now really you know uh, at back at school days but um enjoyed playing my rugby there and lucky enough to play for the first 15 at wellington college and um yeah that's a pretty pretty cool moment uh big school and and uh you know all the traditions that go with that
2: yeah nice was there any sort of plays that you remember when you were growing up At Wellington College, being sort of front and center of your mind, Um,
1: or in terms of players that were that the same age group or a bit older that
0: yeah, well, just a bit of of both, both, yeah. Any teammates you had, or then, or any guys you looked up to playing, or playing in the Wellington full team that you...
2: Yeah, well, the
1: the coal team we had. um, I mean, we were we were good, but we weren't um, we weren't overly. Successful, you know we we won we won some traditionals and won games but we had a team of um, just just good guys I actually probably looked up more to some of the other um, players I played against in uh, back uh, playing some Pat's town the likes of Jerry Collins uh, played a lot of battles against him uh, some Pat Silverstream you had the likes of uh, Luke Marnie and Tim Fairbrother who were pretty tough competitors in the front row and. Yeah, it was a really good. Um, yeah, Ross Filippo was at Hutt High at the same time. Um, so a really good sort of Wellington. Uh, the Waldron brothers were at uh, St. Pat Silverstream uh, as well. So there, you actually um, you had to really bar up at those in those school um, those school traditionals because they, those guys were they were really good players and they were kind of earmarked pretty early. I was um, probably a bit different. I mean, I I really enjoyed my rugby, but I didn't really focus on it as something I. Didn't really take it too seriously. I, I really enjoyed my cricket. Uh, enjoyed getting out there and playing. And it was probably that last year of school that I thought actually I could, um, I might have a bit of a crack at this.
0: So, did you ever make any kind of Wellington age-grade teams or anything like that along the way, or just kind of chipped Nothing, along, and then...
1: battled along, as they say? The, the, you know, the <laughs> true essence of a battler, where you're just uh, chipping away, enjoying the, enjoying everything about rugby, where you. are you are out there with your mates on a Saturday and you know I used to look out and if it was raining you'd be constantly listening to the radio to and just hoping it wasn't off. Uh hope are not cancelled. So just getting out there and playing and and um you know I enjoyed the physical side of the game and enjoyed I really enjoyed the set piece side of the game and and that's especially in the
0: days I imagine. Yeah, yeah. In, get your hands a bit warmer in the scrums and
1: Yeah. Yeah well I enjoyed the and that's what I still enjoy now, and, and some of the, the finer parts of rugby that the scrum and the line out are actually games within the game. And, you know, we get a lot of those set pieces get a lot of criticism from commentators or fans around scrums are boring, scrums are this and that. Well, <laughs> you can't, scrums are boring. You're just, you've just offended. Uh, you know, eight people on the field because well not necessarily I don't think the loose forwards are too mm. mad on scrums, but the tight forwards like if you've if you've got a dominant scrum, there's nothing there's no better feeling sometimes. You, if you see a winger score in yeah. the corner, great. Sure. But you've you've actually contributed to that and you go around the game and same with the line out. It's a game of cat and mouse, you know, you've got to fox these guys out of uh out of where you're throwing the ball and how you're lifting, and there's, you're trying to, when, especially on defence, you're trying to break down their code, and, and I really enjoyed that side of the game as well. Um, and that's kind of what, what hooked me into it, probably more than anything else. That there was a, you know, a part to play, and, and if you really enjoyed that part of your game, then you're away. You didn't have to run through five players and score tries under the post. You could actually go away and, and really enjoy your battle up front.
0: I mean, that's not the words a young five-year-old fullback, Ben Castle, would be saying. <laughs> no way, but mate. It's no so why rugby's such a great game, though, isn't it? Like, there's a spot for everyone. Like, you got your glory boys out in the back line, the boys that just want to front up and get into the physical side of things, the dark arts. Just
1: <laughs> Yeah, so long as we keep so preserving good. that part of it, you know, we've um, it's it's... You know, a lot of rugby now in the junior grades, it feels like it's a game for speed. You know, even Ripper, mm. there's a couple of kids who might not be fast enough and they're getting their tags ripped off every two seconds. And then they think, I don't really want to play this. So, yeah, you've got to keep yeah, encouraging to
0: before they start. <laughs>
1: yeah, got to keep encouraging what set pieces and, and what line hats and scrums we've got to keep them in our game because you've seen when, you know, Justin Marshall, uh, you know, I know, I know uh, Marshy well, but he was critical of the malls for a while ago. And rugby, and I don't think he was complaining when the All Blacks were scoring driving malls or the Crusaders are winning games when they are scoring driving malls, you know. But him to commentate and say it's it's ruining the game. Well, there's one solution: get better at defending malls, you know. Like, yeah, exactly. I mean, the
0: Crusaders pretty, uh, can do it. So that's right. You know, you've got a,
1: it's a big part of the game, and if you can score tries through there, you keep going there, and it's pretty simple. And I think you know we've got to make sure that those parts of the game they're actually really enjoyable for. A lot of fans, because a lot of fans have been in those positions before, whether that's club rugby, school rugby, or wherever. But equally, yeah. the guys on the field at the moment and trying to be on that field love that part of the game too. So we've got to celebrate everything.
0: Yeah, I mean, you got the sevens, if you want, just out and out, speed <laughs> yeah. and space at all time, non-stop. Like, exactly. Your 15s yeah, right. you. you want that physical stuff. You want the tension and
1: yeah, like that. Yeah, that's right. And so that's where I kind of took it seriously. And we, then I went down to... Um, I went and studied in Dunedin, so uh, down in your uh, neck another
0: of the woods. Dunedin man. Yeah, we we're had definitely going to need some yarns about that, Scarf yeah. Your memories. <laughs> we're yeah, so
1: I had uh, five five years down in uh, Dunedin, and I've joined the uh, Varsity Varsity Club. Yep, um, and uh, my um, I remember ninety nine and two thousand we we won titles. Um, I remember playing the final against Zingaree, um, I actually did made
0: a final. Yeah, no, it's crazy, you <laughs> know.
1: I do remember uh, in 99 I I missed the um I missed the starting 22 it was back then. Um and shit sure, might have even been just 21. Um and I think 22 and so I was uh uh just a spectator in that game but in the sort of a wider squad and playing a bit for the you know the Mighty Bees as well which was good fun. Um and then 2000, I uh, played the final at Carisbrook against Zingari. Uh, Zingaree bet uh, bet, I think bet Dunedin, and which they shouldn't. They just somehow won that game. We were watching it because we bet Kaikoura, Kai, uh, the demons, and the um, in the semi, and uh, yeah, up against Zingari, and we had a good win, so that was uh, pretty cool. But then in 2001, I went off to uh, went off down to Kittle Park to the Dunedin Sharks. Okay, yeah.
2: Very nice. So, uh, have you got any any chats for us, yarns for us about uh, Scarfy memories at Otago University? I mean, we've had a few chats on the podcast from previous guests, yeah. similar similar uh, stories in Dunedin. Um, what were you studying? Was it a commerce degree or?
1: Oh, I had a bit of commerce, uh, mixed a bit of law in there, a bit of physical education, a nice sort of uh, bouquet of uh, yep. bouquet yep. of papers, as they say.
2: <laughs> you got to spread, uh, you know, but don't put your eggs yeah. in one basket. Yep. Yeah, and it
1: was, back then it was um, rugby, was rugby was really good to uh, um, do whilst you're studying because you're not studying nine to five. You know, you, yeah, see you exactly. had, time, had time to do a bit of training here and there and um, sort of get stuck into what you wanted to. You could sort of focus on a bit of the study side and then focus a bit on the other uh, side. But when I first uh, made the Varsity A squad, I remember we had a we got named in the club rooms and uh, all the Highlander boys were there who were All Blacks at the same time as well. Anton Oliver, Simon Mayling, John Blakey, uh, Duncan Blakey, I think Eugene Morgan, the hooker, he was there. Um, there were a number of uh, varsity players and we all got marched off to the changing rooms thinking, oh, we're just going to you know, have a sort of meet and greet or something like that. And there were two kegs in there and a whole lot of jugs. And, <laughs> And then it was just a huge quarry run by Anton Oliver, um, and I'm just sitting there going, oh, "This, this is a, uh, unbelievable. It's amazing." Like, you know, as as Scarfies, you know, you're sort of off to Gerties and off to the pubs and all the rest of it. But here we are yeah. sitting with basically like rugby legends in my eyes, and we're getting, you know, made to, you know, drop a jug and uh, sing songs <laughs> and do all sorts of stuff. And I just thought this is this is just brilliant. You know, this it was a massive massive buzz being in the sheds with guys like that uh and then getting the chance to play with them as well because the highlanders um they'd always release players back to club footy and so the likes of matt carrington he played quite a bit um for the varsity team uh john blakey uh we had justin cullen in that team as well um who was highlander you know one of the original highlanders uh you know, Simon Mayling would come back and play, but Duncan Blakey was always sort of sitting on the side of the scrum as well. So just being around those guys was just awesome.
2: Yeah, it's pretty cool. So did you, did you flat down there or were you in the halls? Yeah, or?
1: no, I was flatting, uh, where did I start? I started in St. David Street and then went to um, Leith Street, um, never went on sure, Castle we did, Street. enough, I was going to say to
2: do a Castle Street, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Certainly, certainly walked up and down it a few times, but no, never, never on there. Had quite a few mates who were on Castle Street, that whole Varsity area, you know, that where all the flats are, just with uh, Gardies at one end and the Varsity at the other, and you know, hopping yep. in the Gardies limo between Gardies and the Bowler, and those sorts of days were were pretty cool. I remember um, another time with. Uh, when we'd first been in the squad after that quarter, I think we'd played a game, or well, we had played a game on the Saturday, and then the Sunday morning, uh, we get these phone calls. You know, they're back when their phone's are hardwired in the flat. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. mobile <laughs> phones. You know, the phone's ringing in a flat, and I was with, living with Sims Davison, um, who I played a lot of rugby with. Yep. And the um, phone rings, and it's uh, Simon mailing. And he said, where are you guys? And I said, well, we're obviously in our flat because you've rung the number. And he said, "Right, well, we're coming to pick you up." You are right, oh. So we come pick up, and then you know, a Ute turns up, and there is a few other boys in it, and it's uh, Mailing and um, Duncan Blakey, and we jump on the back of the Ute, and off we go, and we drive, and we ended up at their flat, and it was basically all the that flat had Anton Oliver, Justin Cullen, Duncan Blakey. Uh, I think Matt Carrington was in that flat as well and it was sort of North, Dunedin North and we hop in there and then we turn up and it's a massive Super Sunday session where they've <laughs> got boxes and boxes of spades and it's big cordy and basically they had Sims and I and a couple of other young guys who we ended up just being their guys who had to get them beers when they wanted them and we was <laughs> we were sort of drinking as well but it was just another really good experience with really good guys. like They, was, they were top blokes and looked yeah. after us and so. Sort of kind of gave us that induction into, into rugby and, and to, and just, you know, being, uh, you know, being good people as well. And yeah, had a lot of fun. So that was a, that was a massive highlight as well. You know, a lot of, uh, a lot of funny games and, um, you know, all revolved around uh, beer, <laughs> beer and rugby <laughs> mainly, you know?
2: Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, well, we've got, we've got awesome. notes here that you had one bench or one cap off the bench for a target in 2002. Is that, is that right?
1: Yeah, I, I did. Um, yeah, I uh, I was I had the likes of Carl you know, um, Hoft and I think Carl Heyman and Joe McDonnell. I think Case Muse had moved to Auckland at that point, so it was a pretty hard hard team to crack. And I played in the B team and Otago Development was called then. And uh, I think through through a couple of uh, pre uh, we had a couple of trials actually. These two trials back then, which were quite cool, Blue yeah, and right. yellow, yeah, a trial at Karisbrook, and yeah, I. I didn't expect it as well. And suddenly the, the old ODT who used to, they used to pull out that rugby pull out, you know, that, and every Friday. Um, <laughs> I think there was uh, yeah, it was in there and they had named a team and I saw my name in there. I said, surely that can't be right. And they said, yeah, the first uh, sort of preseason uh off to, off to Marlborough.
2: How good.
1: Yeah, it was, well, it was really, really cool um, playing with all these guys and yeah, it kind of yeah. just gave you the, the taste that I, I do want to take this further. Um, and but i couldn't actually do it down there so uh yeah. because of the there's a lot of traffic in the way you know a lot of lot of guys there but i, I loved yeah. playing footy down there in dunedin um met a lot of good people it's a good competition um fueled by a lot of university students but also getting out to some of the clubs and playing for the clubs as well got you out of that comfort zone a little bit and meeting people who loved love club footy for for what it is and what it, yeah. what it was um, so, yeah, the experience, the varsity experience was, was really cool because you're playing with the guys you're kind of seeing with and hanging out with most days. But getting out to the clubs as well, I thought that was a – looking back, I'm really pleased I did that and went out to the Sharks and and met people out there and, um, you know, a bit more of the, uh, the, the, some of the characters out there, the likes of Hunter Derry and Shane Flanagan and some of these guys um, out that way, which we had some really good times there too.
2: Yeah, nice. So how did this move on? So how did you move on to your Bay of Plenty career? Because we know that obviously that's the club that you're probably most known for at the NPC level. So yeah. how did that sort of move on into that area of the of the country?
1: Uh, well, uh, I mentioned Sims Davison before. So Sims and I, um, we met at university um, and became pretty good mates. We actually eyeballed each other and said, well, what position are you? And he said, I'm loose head. And I said, all oh, right, well, I'm tight head. And then we sort of got on. Like I think, if we had both said we loose heads, we probably wouldn't have been mates. Um,
0: <laughs> and Could have uh, robbed us of one of the most iconic front rows in a while. Yeah.
1: So we um, we became mates, and still very good mates uh, to this day. You know, um, he's godparent, uh, godparent of my children, and I'm the same with him. So we're still uh, still pretty close. And uh, so he had gone to Bay Plenty a year earlier than I, um, out of Dunedin, and he's he's from. Uh, from the Waikato and, and way, so he he got. they asked him to come up there or Vern Cotter asked him to go up there and play um, and they they needed a tight head the following year so Sims rang me and said you should ring Vern Cotter because uh, they need a tight head and you're never going to play down there with the likes of Heyman and mcdonnell and the and the crew down there yeah. so i said right I'll, I'll ring Vern cotter and i did i just got on the phone and rang Vern cotter one day and said look i've spoken to sims so i'm pretty keen to come up to bay of plenty and he said right i will come and meet me and i'm thinking how the hell am i going to do that you're in Tauranga and i'm in uh, dunedin and he said well if you can meet me in a couple of weeks uh, i'll have a yarn to you and we'll see what we can do i thought this is well, this sounds right so I've made my way up there to go and meet him and met him at a cafe. And he said, look, I haven't seen any of your rugby, but Sims seems to think you've, uh, you're all right. So if, <laughs> um, we'll put you into a club uh, here and uh, we'll give you we'll give you basically enough to cover a bit of rent. You know, he's, I think it was three grand. And if you make the MPC team, we'll give you a bit more. And I said, well, <laughs> that's it. It was sort of that. Easy going. To- I'll run for you. <laughs> Yeah, well, in, you know those days in Dineen, I was like, well, it's three grand more than I've I've got on the table now, and I'm thinking, well, I've got to give this a crack. And if I say no and sort of battle away uh, against the traffic that was in front of me playing was, I'll probably never get anywhere. So I thought, well, why not? I'm going to go and give this a crack. So I finished uni, headed up there in the in January, and and Sims was playing for Tepoki, which was quite clever of him because that's Vern Cotter's club as well so uh that that actually helped so went into to Pukki sports or to Pukki pirates and started playing some footy and we had a pretty pretty good team uh there and Vern's brother jeremy cotter who went on to coach Two for a while he was playing i played with him he was a lot um so got got my club footy underway there and i
0: was gonna say before you move from a uh, to Pukki, just since you bring that up we had a quick listener question which we usually do it at the end but uh mark gordon asked who were the I uh, best and worst players you played with at Tapuki. Well, actually best players you played with and best players you played against, I should say.
1: Best players I played with. Oh, mate, there was some uh, some pretty awesome players uh at Tapuki. It was really um
0: Who's who's asked this who's what's this question? Uh, Mark Gordon sent it in. Mark Gordon, Can't remember Mark. his Instagram handle, but um, he must be a uh, Club um, advocate. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Look, there were there were a lot of good players. I mean, I'd, I'd say had, uh, I learned a lot off Jeremy Cotter around how to um, how and when to smack people. Um, he was he was pretty filthy. Uh, Mark Sorensen, he was at Lock there, who obviously played for Bay Um He, he was uh, it's great to play with him. I played with a guy Jared McCown, and he was the first. Uh, he was our captain at the start. He was our fullback. His nickname was Hytro um he was he was he was a favorite, a uh, bit of a fan favorite. We had guys like Simon Connor. Um, he was a tough midfielder. PJ Gidlow was a tough uh, 12. We had Andy Miller. Uh, he came back for a season from uh, the Japanese oh, oh, yeah. 10 yeah. Uh Rodney.
0: He's out of it, really.
1: Yeah, Rodney uh Rodney Gibbs who's um sort of involved with Bay of Plenty at the moment. Uh Ramaka Poepi, Uh so his son is Ramaka Kapoepi as well, he's playing. Yeah, I was gonna say was,
0: he must have been a young buck, didn't realise his old man had the same name.
1: Same name, yeah. So Rummy was uh he was he was pretty good, mate. It was all like it was a really awesome experience and Tapuki was a great club. And, and and out of those, uh, I guess more rural clubs like the club footy and the and the, the club scene is kind of the it's the Saturday for the town, you know, like uh, Saturdays at Murray Salt uh, Park. We had it just it was rammed full of people, and uh, we had Longiudu, which is a club just down the road. They were our fierce rivals. They had the Latimer brothers. Uh, Tanaro uh, was there, and uh, Andrew Leota and some other uh, Paul Tupai. They all played there. So those were massive derbies where it was. Um, yeah, that was pretty pretty scary going to their ground. It was You always knew you were going to come out with some blood somewhere. You just
0: um, wouldn't see that sort of quality on a club footy field nowadays. So, yeah. Oh, imagine yeah. rolling out and seeing those sort of legends just suit up at a club rugby. Yeah.
1: yeah, and that's what was awesome about club rugby. Everyone who was playing uh, representative rugby uh, at the back end, you know, there was – that was pretty clearly defined so NPC started you know well after club you had to earn your stripes at NPC to get into that uh, sorry at club to get into the NPC scene and then you'd play NPC and then get into super if you're lucky enough but but there are a lot of favorites at uh, Bobby Baggett was another favorite at Topukey there are a lot of characters there I, I think it's it's hard to hard to name one uh, one or two favorites.
0: So, i mean i'm sure it's better for him just going through the list of them. i'm sure it brings like a lot of memories to <laughs> yeah. anyone that's already club footy games back in those days yeah yeah so your and, uh, uh, debut yeah. for um sorry
2: go ahead
1: no I was just, uh, and that, that was after playing playing there uh, getting a uh a crack for the bay really they mm. they, they named a bay team and um I think their first first cap was against italy
2: yeah we've got that Yeah.
1: yeah which was...
0: Yeah, yeah, can't imagine of many sp- can claim their NPC <laughs> debut came against international opposition.
1: Yeah, we won as well, which was... Um, unless I think we won. Yeah, I think we won. We did win. We did win. Um, yeah, that was, well, that was a, an experience and a half too. We were at Rotorua and um, it was uh, Damon Cowie. He played his 100th game that match. And Damon, uh, he was a, a bit of a Bay legend uh, under Gordon Titchens and... He he was left on ninety nine games and he didn't play for the Bay for nearly five years.
0: And he yeah, was I didn't from, even realise he got to his hundredth, but Yeah. Then that, that was his
1: hundredth game. He got called back that season. He actually played really well. He was a he was an exceptional player, but unfortunately he sort of got left in the wilderness a bit for a few years. Um and, and couldn't really sort of kick on. But he had he was an awesome player. And anyway, he came back and played his hundredth against Italy. We had uh we had a great team. We had uh, Nathan Strongman as well, the late Nathan Strongman who um, passed away. Um, uh, unfortunately, And there's a Waikato Bay Plenty game that's played uh, every year with all the old, old guys that go out and play. We all play with the number 12 from the Bay and the Waikato team play with the number 12 because he had some rugby there too. But Nathan Aww. Strongman was in the midfield and that game's being played on the second of October, I think, or third. Uh, no, second of October in Waikato before the Waikato Bay of Penny uh, NPC game. Okay. Are
0: you got to get along for it this year. Um,
1: yeah, well, I'm actually commentating the second game, so I thought I'll turn up a bit early and maybe roll on for a couple of minutes. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's. But that was that was awesome debuting there. Like, yeah, I um, I remember uh, yeah, that was that's 2003. Yeah. In 2003, about right. and I remember our first preseason camp. Uh, we, I was, we went, off, we, we went to Gisborne, and we we're staying at these uh, the Waikanae Beach Motor Lodge, and we all got these rooms. And you know, we were young, and we were sort of the young guys sitting up the front of the bus. And you looked at the back of the bus. You, yeah, Clayton McMillan, Paul Tupai, uh, Wayne Ormond, Glenn Jackson, all these guys down the back, and yeah, they knew that they were, um, you know, had had plenty about be- I mean, you know, It was a little bit, it was pretty nerve-wracking. And there were a few new guys as well. Oh, Aleki Latui sort of down the back and Tafel Felici down the back somewhere as well. And, we thought, right, well, we'll sit up the front here.
0: Yeah, not week. the sort of characters you want to get on <laughs> yeah. the wrong side with, imagine. You're not
1: taking on the back seat with those guys, mate. That's, there's no way you're, you're not going to live to see another day. Um, I mean, you could
0: take on Glenn Jackson, possibly. I don't know about the rest of them. <laughs> yeah,
1: Jacko is, is a little bit ginger, so you never quite knows. A bit um, unpredictable. He's a pretty fiery character, old Jacko. You've got to be got to be careful with uh, with him. Um, he uh, so that that. Got off the bus and the, the manager read out the room list and I was put with Paul Tupai and Clayton McMillan. And I'm oh, thinking, God. oh, you're kidding me. And all the other young guys are sort of all together and I'm thinking, oh, this is, okay, well, this will be a bit of an experience anyway. That I didn't go to my room till a bit later on, like when we got in there because we, we got there in the afternoon. They said, mm-hmm. right, well, dinner's at whatever, six o'clock. So we had a couple of hours and I'm like, oh, man, I don't know if I want to go in there just yet. Like these these legends, there are They've both played nearly 200 games between them and I've, I think i played one that Italian game and uh, sort of just trying to find my feet. And anyway, go in, I decided to go in there eventually just before dinner and I walk in and Paul Tupai's moving a single bed out of one bedroom because there were two bedrooms, one with a double bed and there was a TV in there and then the other room had two single beds. And he's moving one of the single beds out of the room and I said, sort of like, oh, okay, I well, wonder, maybe he's lost something. You know, he's just moving the whole thing out, and he's put that in the lounge, and then he's picked up the TV that's in the lounge and put that into the bedroom. And so I think, oh, do you need a hand or something? And he goes, no, no, no. And I said, oh, what's sort of going on? He goes, oh, you're sleeping in here. I've got my room with the TV. Donk's got his room with the TV. You're out here in the lounge. So he moved me out of that room and put me in the lounge <laughs> on a bed. And I'm thinking, oh, okay. Well, at least he goes. Then we've got our, all our own room. And I was like, oh, okay, but you've got two. Now you've got a TV each. I've got nothing. But anyway, it was not not saying. <laughs> yeah, anything. I
0: can't imagine you telling them that.
1: No, just like okay, no, good good plan. Yeah, uh, <laughs> no, I think it's a good idea.
0: Uh, at least you got a bed, not a couch, I suppose. <laughs> that's good. right.
1: And then as uh, just sort of getting organised and stuff, that a box ended up at the end of my bed. And then all this dirty rugby gear in there. And I thought, oh, that's pretty good. We're getting our rugby gear washed. Oh, that's good. So I put mine in there as well. And then it's just sitting there. And Paul Tupai just looked at me and goes, it's not going to fucking wash itself. I was like, oh, I get it. All right. So I've had to pick it up and go off to the communal washing washing area and wash all their gear for them and dry it and have it done and all the rest of it. And all the young guys are going, what are you doing? I said, oh, they've made me go and do their washing. And oh, they're just basically for the week I was there, I was, they just called me their washing lady and <laughs> I, um, oh, I just out. had to wash their gear every day, basically get them what they wanted. But to a degree, they were, they're actually, it was all in relatively good jest, but also it was a bit of a, um, bit of a test, you know, like uh, I don't know if you get away yeah. with it these days, but I, um, I, it was a, it was a really good, uh, good grounding, but they were, they were good guys. They were, bay hardcore like clayton um, was just short of his 100th game well he, i think he might have played his 100th uh, maybe he played 100 uh, not long after italy and paul tupai was 90 odd he played his 100th in that bay shield uh, game that auckland ramfley shield game so these guys were legends of the bay and they just they yeah. they were big on having really good people in the team as well so
0: i mean if you can earn their respect then you yeah
1: kind of felt like that yeah yeah,
0: well, you mentioned the oh. Fairly Shield match, but let's, let's talk about that against uh, Auckland. Yeah, I mean, second season for you, so yeah, came on pretty soon after.
1: Yeah, well, we had, we were coached by Vern Cotter and Joe Schmidt uh, at the time. We had Kevin Schuller as our technical assistant, so we had some great coaches. Um, and um, two thousand, I mean, even before the Shield, two thousand three was pretty successful as well. We actually beat some teams that we weren't expected to beat, and 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 then in two thousand and four. Uh, Vern and Joe um, were sort of into us pretty early about the campaign and how we had to keep backing up. And at that point in 2004, we, or 2003, we had two professional rugby players, you know, from Bay of Plenty, and that was Wayne Norman and Glenn Jackson, you know. And then 2004, I think we had maybe. Real
0: ragtag bunch of battles. (laughs) I think we had
1: had 12 after that 2003 season.
0: I was going to say, you look back on a lot of those guys as like. Class players and like definitely yeah. like super rugby calculus. So it's interesting here at the time. Yeah, like not many of them were.
1: Yeah, and then in 2000, 2004 the like Ruarau Tupuki uh, Rua uh, came in. Uh, Adrian Cashmore came back from overseas. Uh, Nili Latu was in the uh, in the group, and he had had that first season.
0: Still, so uh, just about chipping off to this day as well.
1: Yeah, no, Nilly keeps going. He was, he was, uh, he was a cannonball. He was incredible. He had no respect for his body whatsoever. He was, um, he was a hell of a player. Uh, we had Kevin Senio had joined us. Uh, Grant McCoy had sort of moved from flirting at fullback. Uh, he'd decided second five eight was his position. So everything just started to come together. Jacko was playing some of the best rugby he'd, he'd ever played at number ten. Um, Colin Burke had come up from Hawke's Bay and um, he uh, he was in the he was in the squad and everything was just sort of gelling and we went up to Auckland thinking, you know, we've we've got a bit of a chance and Auckland were probably a little bit depowered, but not not deep powered enough to to probably lose the shield anyway, we just we just ripped into it. We um I mean even
0: a D powered Auckland in that era would have been stacked. Yeah, me? it
1: was I mean, the, the, the likes of Sione Lowaki, uh, Angus McDonald was captain, I think Dan Braid was playing. Um they had a reasonable front row, uh Suwane Tongahuya is so I marked uh that day. Yeah, I mean uh, yeah,
0: he's, he's not a small human. No, John was in
1: that front row with Nathan Kemp. Uh you know, they had they, they were pretty stacked. They were they were a good outfit, but uh, Dave Gibson was nine. I remember, um, good mate from Dunedin, and. And we just, see, yeah, we ripped into it. I mean, it was a fairly tight battle, but I still remember little moments. I, I remember clearly when Sims, Davison, actually passed the ball back to Jacko to, to make that drop goal. And I remember that that going over, thinking that's the eight-point buffer. And this actually, now we can actually really believe, you know, and Stehana scoring in the in the corner, yeah. which you've got to slow that down a lot and almost pause it on one little moment to see if he actually, <laughs> actually got yeah, it over, a- you know?
0: No. Would they even have had TMO back in those days?
1: I, th- I think they did, but oh, I th- I, one. Um, so the uh, who was refereeing that? It was kel was it Kelvin Dika? Was he refereeing or was it Honus? I oh, can't recall his referee, but whoever it was, one of the two of those guys was sideline. He was um, assistant referee or touch judge, as we call it back then. And I remember walking passed it to a line at one point and it was either one going he was saying come on you guys you've got this you've got this you've got this and this is the uh this is the referee on the side like this is the oh, AR man. so he was behind us as well it was awesome um but that was <laughs> yeah. but that was a pretty magical day like it was one of those things that uh, you never really contemplate in your career you know we had a crack at it at the year before went down to Canterbury and, and got beaten and it's a, it's, sometimes it's a bit of luck to get it to even get a challenge, you know, because it can yeah, move around. And exactly. And then um, it was Auckland who were one of the powerhouses, and we're thinking, right, well, you know, let's just we'll rip into it. And then it slowly as the game unfolded, and then when that final whistle went, I think there was a photo that uh, made the back of the Herald actually of me jumping into Mark Sorensen's arms. Um, <laughs> oh. and he, yeah, and so it was just one of those ones where you're just you know jumping up, just going you know, yeah, I can't believe we've done this. And you realise how how public, it's such a public trophy, the Ramfilly Shield, how no, um... I, I look back at it probably more fondly now than at the time, didn't realise how, actually, how important it was to the region because they'd never won it um, previously and, and just the fans and what it meant to everyone. And, uh, yeah, coming back to... We stopped at the Red Fox in Miramaroa, the Red Fox Tavern, on the way back, and there were just crowds everywhere. The cars following the bus, and whenever the bus pulled <laughs> over, the other you know, guys were having a piss stop and the bus would pull over, and there'd be like a, there'd be sort of a hundred cars pulling over as well, and then the bus would pull out again, and all the cars would pull out again to follow <laughs> us all the way back to Tauranga. Uh, it was incredible. We went to a bar back in Tauranga, just people everywhere, and. Then you sort of it sort of sunk in. You're thinking this actually means more to everyone else than it does the the team at that time. You know just how um, it, it kind of united the the Bay uh, fan base and kind of united yeah, the, like the Bay kind of goes
0: beyond rugby.
1: Yeah, yeah, like. yeah. So we had, uh, we had raids and all the rest of it and uh, quite a lot of – quite a few beers. Mate. I, I won't hide that. We were. <laughs> Vern gave us off to the – he said, right, you can have until Wednesday off because we've got a big game on Saturday against Waikato and we've got a defender. So we had to Wednesday off because it was a Sunday. So we, all the boys turn up Wednesday and some of them oh, – It's generous. <laughs> very, yeah. very generous. And some of them hadn't had a lot of sleep, right, including me. And we sort of got ourselves through Wednesday just – and we thought, actually, we have got to, we can't be this one-week wonder. We're going to have to front. So we sort of got into Thursday, Friday, captain's run. And then Waikato came over the hill, and they were full of confidence. You know, they had, um, I think Liam Messam had just started his career then, but they had Stephen Bates, John O'Gibbs in the side, Deacon Manu. Uh, I think Mike, uh, Mike Collins might have been playing as well in the front row with uh, Scott uh oh, Scott Linklater would have been playing, but they had Keith Lowen. Um, anyway, they were all all Chiefs mates as well, and they were all cocked thinking, "Oh, this is going to be easy. We're going to roll Bay Plenty here. Like, there's no way the Bay can keep up with us." And anyway, we've we've repelled them as well, and they were just they were devastated. You could see them walking back to the bus, heads down. But that was a really sweet moment as well because you had that sort of Chiefs battle—the Chiefs partners—but you also, you know, when it came to NPC, they were the they were the other ones you wanted to. Uh, beat the most because we'd always been, I guess, the poor cousin in a way of the Chiefs yeah. and they thought, no, you know, nothing good comes out of Bay, yeah. plenty of rugby and all the rest of it. But to beat them and stick it up them was just, was awesome. So then we got another, another, we got to the Wednesday off again, um, which is, uh, which is pretty heavy.
0: It's <laughs> pretty general, Pretty heavy. Man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, understand it after winning back to back weeks going out for the three day <laughs> yeah. end, surely that catches up here. you.
1: Oh, yeah, it did because then we got uh, Taranaki beat us fifty five to five down there on the on the third week. Uh, um, oh. Yeah, we got absolutely thumped down there. We had no business uh, down there playing. We were just we were averages, anything, and boys were still dusty and hungover. And then we had to front the following week because it was Canterbury coming up to us, which had, I think, 13 or maybe 12 All Blacks in the team oh, uh, coming up to play yeah, us, yeah. and they took it off us.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If there's a team you'd lose it to, it's Canterbury. They just spoil everyone's fun year after year.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was pretty – it was cool, though. We had – I don't know, there would have been 25,000, 30,000 at, at Bay Park and – even just playing the likes, you know, the back line was Marshall Mertens, uh, Mayer Hoffler, I think. Uh, Ralph was at centre. I don't think it was Mayer Hoffler, it might have been Major. Then uh, Ralph, Caleb Ralph at centre, Vonnie Barker, Brad Thorne, yeah. uh, Mark Hammett, Dave Hewitt, Greg Somerville, Sam Broomhall was the skipper. Um, yeah. like they were just. a
0: Special Crusaders side, Yeah, it Yeah, it was. Like. It was
1: uh, ben Blair was at 15, and, and we actually held on okay. We. We lost, I think, thirty-one twenty-five or thirty-one twenty-six, and we actually turned the ball over with about thirty seconds to go. And I think Grant McCoy had kicked it um, down. It was a foot race, and it was Ben Blair on Cashmore. And maybe if you put a nineteen ninety-six Cashmore against Ben Blair, you might have had a chance. But a, a two thousand and four Cashmore against Ben Blair wasn't going to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, that's a valiant effort, though. Mate, it was it was awesome. Yeah, it was, it was cool. And we actually, you know, I guess, to the to the coaches' credit, you know, Vern and Joe, how they got us to refocus and, and carry on with the season because we actually we beat Otago, we beat Wellington, um, and we beat Harbour uh, to get into the semi-finals. You know, and something that the team has never yeah. done.
0: Yeah, uh, can't imagine so many would have predicted that coming no, into the that's season. Right.
1: And then we got smoked by Canterbury in the semi. Um, but you know they again stacked, and I think they went on to win it that year. But mate, they were just really, really good. Good rugby memories, good rugby time, and um, yeah, something I'll cherish forever that, that that period.
0: Yeah, I mean, unreal. I mean, you talk about the memories there. And, like they still were far from done as well. The following year, you had the the British Lions. So yeah, I suppose we'll fine. touch on That's that as right. well before.
1: Yeah, 05 was was cool as well. We had to we had to get ready after Super Rugby pretty early because it was in in June, um, and sort of NPC didn't really start until um, August. So we had to get a squad together um, pretty quickly for that, and um, and it was the Lions, and there was a lot of hype. You know, hadn't been there since '93, and. And getting picked to actually play them was cool. And, you know, sell out first game and all the rest of it. And you're looking across, I remember us doing our analysis for that game and you're looking at, you're going, Lawrence Delalio, Martin, um, uh, Ronan O'Gara, Dwayne Peel, even in the front row, St- um, Steve Jackson, Gethin Jenkins, Matt Stevens, uh, Ben Kaye, um, yeah, they certainly didn't going, put out their uh,
0: uh, second-string side first well, up, did they?
1: Ryan and Driscoll, and you're just going, how are we going to even, Josh Lucy was on the wing, like, they were just going, these guys are, we're, we're doing the analysis, and we're actually analysing Six Nations games, not not club games. You're thinking, hang on, we're analysing <laughs> international teams, you know, thinking, this is this is a different gravy, you know, and we got out there on the park, and I remember looking at these guys, and they were giants, and Lawrence Delalio, he was screaming at at the team, like when we ran out in the field, he was just hit the scream, the sort of roar that he was roaring and firing up the Lions guys, and it made us feel like two foot, two feet tall. Like oh, shit, these guys are massive humans, and they're angry as well. This is <laughs> we're just going to have to hang on, almost. You know, like hopefully it's not too bad. And it actually it blew out quite quickly. I think they got two pretty quick tries, and it was like oh shit, we've got to do something here. And um we actually we got back into the match you know we we, we clawed our way back and the end score 32 20 or or 30 22 or whatever something like that and it wasn't it was a bit more respectable than than we yeah. thought but man, that was amazing seeing 30,000 people um in Rotorua cheering on the the team and and, and the Lions. But they were the they really um really nice guys like that at the start you're thinking they're Evil and going to—they want to tr- uh, trample all over you. But end of the game, some of the nicest sort of gentlemen. It's kind of what you'd expect from uh, the sort of UK uh, style and that yeah. Lions style. But they were, um, yeah, they were nice guys. And getting to swap the jersey at the end, as I say, was you know something that you know, there, there's not many who would say they've got a Lions jersey from someone they played against. You know,
0: yeah, it's pretty cool. Mm. I mean, yeah. I kinda of wish the NPC sides turned out against the Lions last time they came over. Like it's yeah. great that it was to see the rugby sides played them. It's just something yeah. about the MPC teams.
1: Yeah, that's right. It's it's the touring teams playing MPC. That's you know, all those good old fashioned tours, you know, that we grew up watching, yeah. they just don't happen anymore, you know. And no, that's the that's the shame of it. That's professionalism, no. unfortunately.
2: It's money, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, money.
1: Yeah, that's right. So you
2: actually that's went on to captain uh, Bay of Plenty as well, didn't you? In the last couple of years, is that right?
1: Yeah, yep, yep. I got given the captain's armband, which um, was a real, uh, real privilege to do that. Um, you know, lead a province that had given you the opportunity, and province that you'd, um, you know, we yep. had we'd had some success, so I enjoyed that. We. We didn't have as successful seasons that we had in those sort of three, four, and you know, even a bit of 05 sort of campaigns. But um, still, you know, real, real buzz, and um, yeah, really uh, enjoyed. We had a good, good group of guys, we had a lot of good fun, and again, rugby was uh, back then. It wasn't probably it wasn't as uh, as fast and expensive, and uh, and the rules weren't as uh, maybe game limiting as they are now, or it was mm. a bit more free flowing, and 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 you had that parochial. Uh, parochialism, you know, that was province versus province. MPC still, yeah. NPC moved into Air New Zealand Cup and it started to get a little bit um, mixed. I think that when the MPC was those 10 weeks and it was pretty clear cut in the divisions, it was, you know, it was it had a massive following and it started, I think, in that sort of 0, uh, 06, 07 Air New Zealand Cup, it started to move a bit into this different yeah. uh, competition. There were more games, you had games midweek and it started to move away from its that, that old true essence. But you had to, I guess you had to look after the, you know, the more teams now. You had Manawatu were in, uh, Northland, Hawke's Bay had, had come up after. They'd been in Division 2 for God knows how long, you know. So Tasman now, would have been
0: about joining around then.
1: Yeah, T- Tasman came in in 06. Yeah, yeah, uh, 06. I remember 06 against Tasman. That was a funny. We went down there. And I, this is back when you could bet on rugby if you played. And... We were paying six bucks. Oh, no. <laughs> we Imagine paying... it nowadays, eh? Oh, it oh, scandals. Yeah. Oh, mate, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know if I should even say it, but anyway, um, <laughs> we we're paying we we're paying six bucks to beat Tasman, and we were looking at their team, and looking at us going, "We're definitely going to beat these guys." So, yeah. at uh, about midday, after or just after lunch, before um, I think before the Ford's lineouts, the Ford pack went off down to the TAV, and we were all putting money on ourselves <laughs> to win. <laughs> And um, we were lined up. We were still in our bay gear and we were lined up because the TAB in Blenheim wasn't that big, but we were lined up out the door. Like just next person, the lady's just like, yep, and just taking the money and we're bidding it all. And I think we ended up in the pot. We ended up with about four grand in the pot because we beat them paying six bucks. So we well, was surely up.
0: nothing with just backing yourself. Like. <laughs> well, <laughs> you surely that's all right. Yeah. Inside of trading right there. Inside of trading.
1: Oh, trade. yeah. I mean, it depends. If, if Tasman Te- yeah, had, had been on the take, um, you know and they'd throw in the game that's when you'd probably look at it but yeah we beat them and so we we're celebrating because we'd won of course we we're celebrating because we we're off the TAB to make a collect too
0: <laughs> that is funny yeah what a hell of a night out with <laughs> the winnings
1: yeah yeah, yeah a, good, a good night out in Venom. that's for sure
0: oh unreal
1: yeah yeah it's, uh, it's good yeah
0: I well, guess before we... we move on to our Super Rugby I mean any other NBC memory still stories you want to bring up
1: oh man, it's sort of Covered covered quite a few of them, but I yeah they had had an awesome time in the in the bay. Um, really lucky that you know I I'd definitely put the fact that I even had the uh, chance to be a professional rugby player uh, for a period in my life, and that's down to um, the guys I played with, of course. But Vern Cotter and Joe Schmidt, hundred percent. Like Vern was tough, and um, he was ruthless around how he, how he coached, but. You know, without someone like that at that time, you know, sometimes rugby is a bit about timing. You know, in terms of seasons and and players, and we just had the the perfect mix of players at the right time with the perfect coaching group for that group of players. You know, um, and it was just one of those you know uh, golden periods of uh, rugby that I was I'm just I was stoked to be a part of, and look back at now and just and still you know smile on the face and still talk, you know, still catch up with a lot of these guys. Um, and we still talk about the, those days, you know.
0: Yeah, I love that. Suppose I should ask: Did you ever get to the uh, back seat of the bus as well? I did, it, I,
1: I did in the end. I did, mate. yeah. I did in the <laughs> end. Unreal.
0: Thanks. Didn't take advantage of it and uh, make the uh, younger ones do your laundry, like? they've no, done to you.
1: No way. No, never. I think the game had moved by then. The young guys, the young guys weren't going to do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: So the Chiefs. Uh, how did the uh, how did the call up come for the Chiefs?
1: Um, just yeah, well, it was back like I, I said around if you were, you know you played your club footy and if you played well in in, in your club system, then you would um, you'd be rewarded by uh, playing representative rugby and whatever level you know if you were in the Colts level, you might play for Bay of Plenty Colts or whatever. So into the steamers side, and then if you perform there um, back in the old ways, that Super Rugby used to be picked. You were. You were part of that region, so uh, part of the Chiefs' region was Bay Plenty. So I remember um, getting a call from uh, Glen Ross, who was the Chiefs' manager, saying, "Look, you're going to be uh, picked in the Chiefs um, for uh, for our 2004 season." So um, you'll get a you'll get a call uh, next week after they're all named. But congratulations! And um, Fozzie might give you a ring, and Fozzie rang a couple of days later and said, yeah, congratulations! We're going to name you next week." and Went right on the oh, season and sort of that, so it was it, it, sound, it was all a bit more formal and yeah, going over. I remember going over to the first first day where they kind of did the back then they did media announcements and all the players were there and so on and like, looking around and you know that was a an, another massive step up. Jono Gibbs was our captain and you had a lot, a lot of guys who were super blokes who um, you know I still see a lot of now. Tom Willis had just come up from Dunedin, so he was he was in the side. Uh, John o. Gibbs, uh, as I said, Marty Holler, uh, you know Keith Lowen, guys like Savini, uh characters mm. like that. Uh, Todd Miller, David Hill, Mark Ramby, um just these guys that you've just seen on TV and you're looking at them and going, yeah. "Wow, I'm, I'm, just, you know, sitting next to them. This is, this is unreal," you know. Um, and uh yeah we had we went on uh, we made the 2004 didn't get a lot of didn't get a lot of game time i mean back then yeah you had squads of uh we had a squad of 32 um and didn't didn't see a lot of game time in that first year but learned a hell of a lot and had a had a good time but it was yeah pretty pretty cool being uh you know suddenly rugby's now your job yeah exactly yeah Yeah. pretty lucky i look back now i think man i was i can't believe how much time i actually had and probably how much time i wasted as well by you know we, we trained uh we had to train a bit of course but not not like they do now and still you had a lot of time off during during weeks and days and so on and yeah you know, i guess i can't I can't remember what i did i think i was just you yeah. know pretending to surf or playing golf or some you know, <laughs> stuff that was just oh. you know hopeless yeah, you've got I, to live life. I think you've done pretty well for well, yourself
0: post rugby, anyway. So well, look yeah, back was on those times, some good memories.
1: Yeah, no, it was it was good. It was good and base. The only downside, and uh, it was based in Hamilton. Yeah, <laughs> <You know>?
2: oh. <laughs> I was just going to say yeah. that,
1: <laughs> oh, mate, because you'd, you'd have your winters in the in. I oh, had a place in the Mount, and you'd have your winters there. And there's summers in Hamilton. It's like oh, I've got this around the wrong way
2: yeah <laughs>
0: it's not, it's not a deal. yeah you know. might as well spend the winters in Hamilton it can't yeah, be much worse mate. well
1: as less time as possible but it was funny because the guys who lived in Hamilton the, the Waikato boys they loved Hamilton they yeah. loved it they were really proud of it and I reckon they just they just felt they had to promote yeah. Hamilton yeah someone's so got
0: to give it a good word
1: yeah I think deep down they didn't like it either
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> So you did uh, what? I guess you would have. I was going to say, I guess you would love getting out, out on the tours and things like that too. Yeah, but
1: yeah, uh, Africa. Um, oh, we did, yeah, I mean that's you know Super Rugby being across uh, yeah, three different countries, so you know, we had some, mm. more, uh, some really good tours. You know, I went to Africa six times, I think, in the end, and you'd always wow. uh, you'd get to see a lot, you know, and do a, and do plenty from. By the end, some of the older guys they thought Africa was a bit of a chore, and you could probably see why because it was a hell of a yeah. long way to go, um, and it was yeah. and it was tough there. And once you'd done one safari park or two safari parks, or been to two shopping malls, or bought your uh, spider surfboard, or um, <laughs> bought some diamonds for your your girlfriend or your wife back home, you kind of done most of it, you know. But <laughs> yeah. well, it was it was cool. Uh, Africa was great. Like, uh, and and that's what rugby's so good. And you know, even the, um, when I was overseas, using rugby as a vehicle to see the world, you know, that's a, it's a real, yeah. really privileged position to be in. And you've still got to go, and it's part of your job. But um, there are the, they are the benefits of it. You know, that a competition stretched that far and. got a chance to go and see those parts and you know even Australia was was good back in the days when Aussie rugby was really tough it was tough to go and play the Waratahs you know they were they were they were really strong the Brumbies have always always been really strong and and still still are but probably not not into the standard that it seems now and that's you know probably a big impact on our game
0: yeah there wasn't many uh easy fixtures going over there you might have the old Maybe the cats. That's a, <laughs> oh,
1: that's <about> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even I mean, the, we had the cheetahs in Bloemfontein, which we I think we beat them just, and that was they were probably the weakest at that time. Uh, but mate, the, the crowds there—they are mad, like especially Loftus, like the amount of shit they throw at you and scream at you and abuse the shit out of you. And the African board—they are filthy rugby players, like they're filthy on the field, yeah. and they would. Probably not a, not as worth not as bad as the French, but they're definitely up, <laughs> they're definitely up there. And uh, but they're the nicest guys off the park as well. Oh yeah, you know, after Let's you get finish? To you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was uh, but that's that's the beauty of uh, of rugby, uh, as I say, going doing those tours. And um, yeah, I, I finished finished with the last season with the Chiefs it was two thousand and
2: eight. Yep, and because you've done a bit of travel since. Well, after that, you went to France, was it? Yeah, I had one season with Toulon. Um,
1: which was um, mate, that was that was crazy in, in the and the best sense of the word, uh, word because mate, they were it was like a it was like a barbarians team. I think it, sometimes they'd roll the twenty three out and there'd be maybe one Frenchman and <laughs> uh, the team was Cher- that
0: top fourteen at that time. Yeah, they'd just been so into top correct. fourteen after
1: yeah. after the likes of Victor Matfield and Gregan and um, mm-hmm. Anton Oliver had pulled them up into into um, into the top fourteen.
0: How and we were had those uh, guys playing in the pro do like <laughs> money,
1: mate. Oh, <laughs> uh, money talks, right? Um, yeah, yeah. They uh, and, and but Toulon was a mm-hmm. uh, Toulon back in the um late 80s was a infamous club. You know, I think Toulon had played the All Blacks and I think beat the All Blacks in the um or 1990 maybe, you know, that blood, sweat, and touring. Uh, Video, I think it's on there. They had the likes of Eric Shomp and so on, but they that uh, was a, it was a famous. Uh, it's a naval town, Toulon, and so it's known for being tough uh, around yep. the around the outskirts, around the edges, and, the, and they they wanted their rugby tough as well. And we had Jerry Collins and I flew over at the same time. Uh, their Sunny Bill turned up um, a few weeks later. Um, oh. Which oh. was just that was um, unbelievable. Like we were we were high. Can imagine him.
0: the uh, media coverage of a Ben Castle signing would have went under the radar with Jerry Collins <laughs> and Sadiq Bill it. Yeah, know?
1: mate. It was Ben. Who like it was uh, it was nothing like it. Matt Henjak and I uh, was in the team. We had uh, Irene Ie was there. Tussie P C was there. A lot of Kiwis. Ross Skeet from South Africa. Uh, Tian Liebenberg he was there as well from South Africa. Uh, Joe Van Niekerk was there um it was just a it was uh, like you
0: said barbarians
1: isn't (laughs) it it was incredible and uh everyone was kind of you were kind of stuck between this we've got to be serious between between that and going this is just the most bizarre um wonderful experience ever because you've got this the whole globe of the game and some of these guys yeah. coming together to, to play. And when Sonny Bill turned up, we had heard that he was potentially coming and all the – because he'd walked out on his Bulldogs contract and and he turns up and, and there were media everywhere and there were lawyers everywhere because they are trying to serve him papers and we had all the security were coming to protect him and we were hiding him in the back of cars and <laughs> um, circling around him to walk, walk him back into the sheds because they're trying to um, – Put papers, summons, summons him back to back to court in Australia and all the rest of it. And mate, it was it's unbelievable the attention that he got. And he, our first pre-season game, I think the summons was live, like he could be summoned to go back before. But um, if they had got the papers to him before he set foot on a rugby field or a game, a sanctioned rugby game or something. So we had a pre-season head out against the side, and we're all we're doing these warm-ups, and these lawyers are like literally in our warm-up looking for him. And with the security are trying to get these all these lawyers away, and they're all looking for him. But Sonny's in the changing rooms warming up, so he's not out there with us. So they're sort of trying to find him and can't find him. And so then they're all waiting, and then so we've run out onto the field as a team, and they're sort of looking for him. And Sonny's been escorted around the back, and he enters the field from the one of the, the northern ends of the field, and then he's on the field as well, and he's finished. And all these guys are holding papers, and <laughs> just had to fold them up, put them in their bag, and leave because now mm-hmm. he's on the field and they couldn't find him. So. Um, just the the media circus that followed him around. But he uh, so he was 23 when he first joined, and he he was an unbelievable athlete, Sonny Bill, like as as everyone knows him now and what he's done. But he he was just as focused and just as um, just as incredible uh, then as he is now. And I mean, everyone knew what he was like in rugby league. But yeah, super guy, um, and mate, just a pretty awesome to watch and be around. Yeah, it's pretty
0: cool. You wanna go for the old out the back offloads, learn a thing or two from him? Oh Spicy came no up a bit.
1: Not not like that. Not nothing. there was uh Yeah, it was uh mate, the French rugby's tough and i you know you Props props in wide open spaces. So the props there are very different to here. Props the way they play in the Northern Hemisphere are not props here. We've got, you know, props that can run pretty quick and they've got a bit of bling about them, you know, but a skill and props over there are literally there to scrum and scrum and scrum yeah. and
0: that's it. And is it fair to say footy over there was tougher on the body? Oh, mate, general, it, was,
1: was it? it was tough in general. Yeah, it was really tough. Like, I, 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 I don't think I was heavy enough to play there, you know, like I was never a massive um, hulking uh, guy and mate, the props you're coming up against are 130, 135 kilos. You know, sort of. Yeah. You know, when you're sitting at 115, 116, you're just never going to get anywhere with it. And it just wasn't heavy. You look at like the likes of uh, Ben Tumiafoona who went over there, and uh, Charlie <laughs> Famuina who's gone over yeah. there. You know, there that that's the, that's what they want. They want those big guys who literally scrum and you might get a little bit of a ball carry every now and then, but that's that's really about it. So it was it was tough going, and the, the referees. You know, you're sort of asking how we referee the scrums here in New Zealand. It's all very clean and they're straight angles, none of this, none of that. Go over to France, all bets are off. The referee's got no control on it. He's just letting them go for it. It's it's all go. um,
0: Sounds like torture, honestly.
1: (laughs) It was a a tough, tough learning, but it was good. It was good. It was was really good. And then I I left there and went up to Wales um, where Tom Willis was. Uh, So reunited with uh, uh, our hooking mate uh, from the... From the Chiefs, and we had, we had a lot of Kiwis there as well. Um, Huani McDonald, um, who I interviewed last oh, night with Tasman. Yeah,
0: um, true Southland legend. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, old Hoon. Uh, Grant Webb was there. James Arledge. He had he some time in oh, the, oh, in the oh, yeah,
0: We love Arledge on this podcast. One, f- one of our
1: favourites. Yeah. yeah um, Danny Lee. Uh, he was there oh, too. yeah. yeah. Um, and then we had a few uh, few Welsh reps as well. Luke Charteris, who was about six foot, oh uh, yeah, one hundred. He was the tallest yeah. guy we've seen in my life. He's really um, tall. I man. mean, like
0: yeah, if you think like rugby lock Charteris yeah. is probably your guy. Just yeah, mate. He's <laughs> he is a
1: beast, He's an absolute beast in every sense of the word. Um, Dan Lydiate, he was there as well. So mate, that was that was another uh, Rodney Parade was our home ground. Probably the shittest ground i've ever played at um, well, that covers and, that question later <laughs> yeah like it was the worst changing room setup like teams hated coming there because of the we used to put them in this little shoebox of a changing room that was painted <laughs> pink on purpose but it was just it was that the two showers out of 12 would have worked um <laughs> it was just a nightmare and you know it was freezing cold and yeah teams hated it and we so, you know deep down I mean even though we love the sort of uh one-eyed or three-eyed supporters that we had at Wales there um the um it was it wasn't a great place to play rugby <laughs> because the wind and the weather would go straight through it and the facilities were average but um all yeah, that aside, if someone
0: park was... is saying that's the worst ground yeah, no, there's <laughs> yeah. something yeah. bad about it
1: yeah yeah <laughs> No, yeah, it was, um, but that, but, well, it was, but Wales was cool and enjoyed that. Lived in uh, Cardiff and I sort of probably felt uh, at that stage that, you know, rugby was, um, you know, I wasn't going to have a whole heap longer in rugby, you know. Uh, I was 20, how old was I when I went there? for sort of 29 um, uh, and sort of, yeah, starting to not necessarily wind down but sort of thinking, you know, I can't play rugby forever. What else am I going to do?
0: Yep. Yep. There was yeah. a st- I mean, before we go on to yeah the winding down yeah. a couple <laughs> of the wee stints I know we wanted to touch on to yeah.
2: I definitely want to touch on the uh, the Western Force stint. Here. Yeah, <laughs> mate, know. the
1: Western Force that came out of nowhere really. So I I, I left France um, a bit early and they said, look, there's an opportunity to go and play Super Rugby again. I was thinking, oh, I wonder you know who's that going to be for? You know, I've only ever played for the Chiefs sort of thing, and I, I was thinking it was a New Zealand team, and then they said, oh, it's the Western Force. I'm like, whoa, okay. Um and John Mitchell's the coach there and uh would you like to would you like to look at it? I was thinking, well, if I'm not gonna get a whole lot more time here in France and I've, I've now signed with Wales, which doesn't start until July, why not? You know, let's let's go. Let's yeah. go off to off to Perth and left uh left Wales and it was probably um uh, probably minus two and landed in Perth and it was probably forty-two. Um <laughs> and my, it was I said, what have I got myself into sort of here? Um and not knowing anyone there except John Mitchell, um, and when I turned up, that's oh, Must Mitch, have been like
0: the only time they didn't have a whole bunch of kiwis. Rattling about yeah, people. I
1: think uh, I think I might have been the first kiwi to go through there, um, and then you know the likes of David Hill and Tim Fairbrother and others have done it. But and um, but I, I turned up and in the middle of the, the middle of the night landed boiling hot, sort of off to uh, off to the hotel to be, and John Mitchell picked me up the next morning, uh, went round to his place and had a bit of a chat about you Know the setup and what's going on, he said. Oh, and when I, when he was going to drop me back, uh, he did drop me back. And then, when I just as he was pulling up to the hotel, he said, Oh, and by the way, I'm actually banned from talking to the team at the moment. There's a, an inquiry on my coaching, so um, you'll see me at the grounds, but I can't talk to you. So, this is the only sort of conversation we can have. And I'm thinking, Mate, why don't you tell We're me Figure out a tough introduction, uh, why don't you tell me that at the start? Like, we could have <laughs> figured out a solution now. And I'm thinking, Well, who do I? What do I do tomorrow? And he goes, I'll just, this is, you know, drive here. Uh, Or you'll get picked up by the manager and just go in and start talking to people and meet people. And so you're sort of right in the deep end. And so off I went, you know, straight in there. And then you're looking at that team and talking about stars, like um, Nathan Sharp was our captain, David Pocock, uh, Richard Brown at number eight, uh, Matt Hodgson. Uh, Ty McIsaac was hooker with uh, Pet Cow, who's he's still battling away here in, um, in Wellington. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then our backline mate, like Josh Valentine, Matt Gitto, uh, James O'Connor. Uh, oh, yeah.
0: I was there at
2: that stage. Yeah, that, was, yeah. His, that yeah. was his first season, wasn't it? Like he was like seventeen or something. Yeah, he was really old.
1: young. Um, Ryan Cross from the um, from oh, the oh yeah
0: uh, another league convert, another league
1: convert. Yeah, then uh, Cam Shepherd. We the... had uh, Nick Nick Cummins, the old Honey Badger. Yeah,
0: honey Badger. <laughs> tell you, Ryan Cross reminds me of his WWE's Edge. Oh, <laughs> he that, does. I'd yeah, he I'd you know. like, yeah, just a like a like, mate. Yeah, he does.
1: Mate, he had some he had some yeah. awesome stories about the days of Freddie Fittler. Um, yeah, the mad the bad Mondays that they had, wow. Yeah, they The Forced didn't have a bad
2: play. season. It wasn't a bad season in 2009, wasn't it? No, it
1: was, it was good. But The Western mate, For- I, I had a great time and it was one of those, it was just a, a kind of added bonus, you know, and we actually, yeah, we had some really good good results. We actually did the Triple Crown, which um, we beat all the Australian teams. So we beat the Brumbies yeah. uh, there, we beat the Waratahs and, yeah, beat the Reds back at home. So uh, that hadn't been done. By a western force team so that was pretty cool to do that and and beat, yep. beat uh, all those guys because again the western force sort of was like the you know the late the late addition to the party and we're the three um we're the three east coast teams and you're this crappy old west coast leave us alone yeah. and. Yeah. And we came and sort of messed up the party. But with the likes of, you know, Matt Gitto or Drew Mitchell as well, like we, yep. like we had a yeah. pretty awesome team.
0: It's, it's got to like, be by far, in the way, the best force team. Oh, yeah. there like, has been the some star pretty cool. power in that.
1: Oh, it has to be. Yeah, it has to be now. Yeah, because I was involved. No, um, <laughs> it was cool. Uh, yeah, like I, again, like a lot of good, good friendships out of that. And, and, and rugby, and in, especially in um, Perth. At the time, and even rugby in Australia, compared to how we we treat rugby in New Zealand and how it's kind of on the front page sometimes, and the you know the top of the back page, it yeah. was just uh, it was sometimes never in the paper. Like it was yeah, just under exactly. the radar the whole time. And you'd have a loss, and sometimes in New Zealand, you know, you in a team, you'd kick your kick tires around for two days, sort of asking questions of how you lost, why you lost, feeling bad. There they lose, they go well on to next week, and they forget it within minutes and just move on yeah. and keep fronting up it's such a it was quite a refreshing approach you know
0: mm. Mm. sounds like a great place to play footy no,
1: it was awesome yeah you, you needed the what well, they call it the free mental doctor coming in uh, because sometimes it was too hot we had to train at eight in the morning and we we're sort of done by 10 and then you'd we'd sort of meet again at four o'clock after the wind got up a bit because it was just roasting roasting hot yeah. you know 40 40 degrees it's just you couldn't be outside
0: yeah i mean it's one way to get your fitness off training yeah. those sort of conditions yeah, that's or...
1: right yeah, I'd never mate. There's never a team that I probably drank as much alcohol through a season than that <laughs> team there. I probably did enough for yeah. two years with those guys. Yeah. All right.
0: uh, if you do uh, rank the four places you played footy, not based on the teams, just solely on like the quality of rugby and things like that, Aussie, France, Wales, New Zealand. What are you ranking them?
1: Well, uh, I don't have to. I'll, I'll, I'll have to back. Yeah, New Zealand first, of course. First, uh,
0: I would hope so. Yeah,
1: yeah no, for everything they did, but I, I think. um uh, for everything, I think the force would come in second to that being uh, where it was and then, oh, mate, France and Wales were so unique and so different, I, I, I couldn't really separate those two, but that would be my order in terms yep. of experience right. and uh, nice enjoyment, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, one more team I wanted to touch on before we get into, I mean, the move post rugby was junior All Blacks, I know you had a few games for those, how did that come about and was there ever any talks with the All Blacks selectors or?
1: No, no talks, um, I was, uh, we'd, we'd Played that Lions game in 2005 and because we had a break after that until the MPC, myself and uh, Sims and another couple of mates, we decided to go to Fiji for a week and so we shoot it off there and I had no idea that – I don't think I even knew they were even selecting a junior All Black team. Well, maybe I did but I hadn't taken much notice and we were playing – we had to move rooms. We were in Fiji, we were out at Coma and we had to, um, we had to move rooms and I've, I've lost cards so I've had to go down and get the, or go and get the room key and the queue to do the, to see the person at the desk was massive so I said, I'll just kill some time and I'll go online and I'll, you know, look at the news back home and I'm sort of looking through the news back home and they're saying, you know, All Blacks squad for the uh, Lions series is confirmed and i oh, Junior All Blacks and I'm sort of looking around and, and sort of reading through it and there's no service no cell phone reception on the island well there is but you've got a certain place and I'm looking through the team and I've seen my name on there and I'm thinking what are, what are they named here is this the I'm going back through it a couple of times and thinking oh this is odd so I've had to get my phone and go and find the service and sure enough I've had about 20 missed calls and messages of where are you we're meeting in um, Christchurch in two days time where are you where are you sort of thing and so I've had to ring the manager and say oh I'm in Fiji <laughs> he said, "What are you doing? What are you doing there?" And I said, "Well, I didn't know that." And he said, "Well, you've got to get back." So the whole suddenly the whole world's turned upside down. And I've got to figure out a way to get off the island and back to back to New Zealand really quick, get my gear, and get down to Christchurch into a into a junior All Black team. Um, but that was that was yeah, massive. Uh, Massive buzz, yeah. We had uh, two games against Australia A and a game against Queensland uh, before him. But I think me and Bernie Upton, or maybe in Ross Kennedy, are the only three of that whole team that never played for the All Blacks out of that squad of maybe thirty. Um, sure. So that's, that's that's a good step. That maybe a maybe yeah, a step.
0: That's, that's a spate quiz question already. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who are the three that never never quite made it? Yeah, I
0: like it. I yeah. like it
1: yeah that no, was uh it was that was a good experience fozzy was coach of that team actually as well
0: oh nice yeah, yeah. imagine aussie a had a few talented players yeah that they too. did
1: yeah they were, they were a good outfit we um we managed to beat them uh by thigh. so that was, that was yeah, good good
0: get yeah. Yeah. the one up yeah that's right
2: so after yeah, rugby continues. let's uh talk about i mean we've spoken a lot about rugby so obviously you, i think you're tied we've got 32 is that right
1: yeah 32
2: yeah so, what did you sort of go into immediately after rugby what did you look at i mean we know you're working in um, sport now but
1: yeah well, i came home and i like uh, i guess a lot of us at different times of our lives thinking what am i going to do um no matter what industry you're in but uh so i came back and started doing a little bit of work for bay plenty uh just in the background more more in the in the office around a National Sevens bid, actually, to move the Sevens from Queenstown, sorry, up to uh, <laughs> up to uh, Rotorua uh, because New Zealand were looking for a new place because they needed to, you know, have um, need more teams and more yep. hotels and all the rest of it. So I did a bit of work there and got to meet people at New Zealand Rugby. So I ended up applying for a couple of jobs at New Zealand Rugby and got a role there um, and worked at New Zealand Rugby for nearly six years. Yeah, uh, and I was, Unreal. Uh, there. Um, I finished when I finished there, I was managing player contracting. Yep, uh, when I finished, so yeah. working with all the super rugby teams and uh, all the and the all black coaches and selectors around how we retain players in this country, you know, against the Against the the forces, the market forces that I have succumbed to, you know, a few <laughs> years earlier. So, can um, imagine that wouldn't
0: be an easy gig. Yeah, it.
1: mate, it was it was it was it was tough because you you are fighting that international um, the international money really at the end of the day. But you yep. kind of back uh, we, New Zealand rugby always. Uh, if you if you graded them around retaining the All Blacks, it was probably about a you know an A or you know a nine. Yeah, they're 10. pretty good
0: at it. To be honest, they got it
1: there uh, and. and there was never any tension on the young guys coming through because they just wanted to be professional. We'd probably mark yourselves a five out of ten or maybe even a four as those fringe players because that's mm. where the that's where the rot is, and that's because it's such a big gap in yeah, money between castles. the middle. Yeah, yeah, or even even slightly, slightly. You know, your better players, your fringe All Blacks who might be in the All Blacks one year and then not the next, and your Victor Vito's and your um, yeah that sort yeah, of not all, that right level right. and they if you know the being in the all blacks uh, gives you gives you a bit more money right and if you're not uh yeah you're in that space where you could go to france and earn three times as much and whether you're in the team or not you're getting paid it and you're at home every day and uh you're in your own bed at night we're in sometimes in new zealand you know you're a tourist in your own country so that that, that just those sorts of things were Pretty compelling for players to go offshore. So my job was to uh, that with the team there to try and find ways to come up with the right money and the the right mix of environment and so on to to keep players here. So I did that for a good period of time. Yeah, it's good good working yeah, rugby. Nice. Something we got here that you were there.
2: and you were with the Canes as well, weren't you? The general manager at, yep. the, at the Hurricanes. Yeah,
1: and then um, to, decided to branch out and go a bit bit more back to closer to the uh not necessarily the grass but sort of closer to a team uh and yeah joined the hurricanes for for three years uh I joined there sort of mid um so end of the 18 season so yeah 19 20 21 um and yeah it was uh it was good like a a new challenge around uh managing people and uh, getting a campaign going, and you're still you're fighting really hard for a club, as opposed to New Zealand rugby, where you're kind of across five clubs and trying to keep everyone happy yep. and build build good competition across uh, each club. Then you go to the Hurricanes, and I couldn't care less about the other four clubs. It was all about the Hurricanes, you know, and, yep. and making them as good as possible, and making sure the succession planning's there for players, and all your pathways are there, and you know, connection with the unions, different unions, Hawke's Bay, Manawatu, and Wellington, and school systems, and All that sort of stuff, which was really um, a really good challenge. Uh, But also, we had the challenge of COVID as well, which which I guess has changed the way rugby is in this country for hopefully not good, but uh, it's certainly changed everything. So, navigating through COVID was a real big challenge for rugby and still is. 100%.
2: We've we've got here that you were, uh, there's a bit of a running joke in this podcast that some of our (laughs) uh, older. Uh, real estate. Well, not real estate agents, but we're going to, about to, about to talk about real estate agents. But older rugby players who have retired since <laughs> have gone on to real estate um, yeah. and, and become real estate agents.
0: We've got that here yeah, as well. I, you, well. I put together real estate fifteen, and by Joe's was it aside, and I, <laughs> I missed some huge names in it too.
1: Like. <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, yeah, look, I I, I I would have if you'd asked me um, two years ago, you'll be in real estate. You know, I would have would never have believed it, and. I just—I um, didn't necessarily get rugbyed out. It's just that I—I I wanted a change, you know. I'd only ever done rugby. Yeah, um, no, I can't blame so, you for that. Yeah, and I sort of thought to myself, can I do anything else? And I couldn't answer that question by staying in rugby, you know. So mm. it was, and yeah. it's—it's not—it's not no forever. It's just no for now for rugby. And I could well go back into it um, at some point. But I wanted a fresh challenge, and I, um, you know, through networks that we all create uh, got talking to a few people and that was the biggest thing i just got talking to a range of people all in different industries about different things that they do and seeing if anything that they did i might like
0: and yep. they kind
1: of refined you know i had a i don't know i would have had a thousand coffees with different people just around what what do they do and what do they like about it and you know what are the opportunities there where do they see it going and you sort of learn a bit about their industry and think you yeah, know that's not really for me and learn about other ones going i wouldn't mind looking at that and the property one is so, one that sort of grabbed me a bit and uh yeah it's it's been a bit over a year now and, and really enjoying it love it it's again it's about people and um you know conversations and connecting with people and just uh, in front of people day to day and not sort of necessarily behind a desk the whole day and looking at a oh, yeah. screen all day actually you're out and about and and that's what i kind of um sort of drew me to it and um you know still got to work Work pretty hard, as much as um, most of the people think real estate agents are overpaid and they've got shitty <laughs> oh, suits, no, no, sh- shiny different ties, different and different shit suits, and um, <laughs> sleazy. But um, you know, you deal with all that stuff. Everyone's got a. There's always there's always a stereotype across uh, across that. But I was still lucky to keep my foot in rugby with um, with working for Sky, which um, yeah. you know, that started back in 2012. I think I did my first game. So it's coming up 10
0: years. Well, it is 10 years? Yeah before we touch on the sky gig too much I, I saw on your website i don't know if it's true but does or did grant elliot work with you in the uh is it tommy's you work for for you Yep, yep, Tommy's there, Grant, Grant's there, yep, the hairy Jeff, he's oh, there, yep, yeah. Still, like, talk about the Kiwi cult hero.
1: Yeah, still, <laughs> so, mate, still dining out on that six, like, um... Oh, just,
0: why, why wouldn't you? Yeah, oh, yeah, it's amazing. On the six, yeah. so a life beaver can dine out on his nudge. Well, that's right, they could have,
1: well, I was wondering, we do say to Grant, when's the movie, the six, coming out? We've had the kick, like... had <laughs> oh, the kick, we, yeah. Where's, where's the six? Um, oh, it could be any worse than the kicks. So. <laughs> oh, oh, the kick's a fantastic film, yeah. <laughs> Oh, it is! It is! It's a Kiwi classic. Um, oh, yeah, be- uh, We do. I do good Beaver of Grief for that. I mean, he loves it though. He's a good man, old Beaver. Um, yeah. But yeah, Grant's Grant's in there. He's um, yeah, he's great in there. He does a lot of the um, because of his experience around it. A lot of the culture and teamwork. Uh, you know how the team works together. Um, you know, real estate work can be. Uh, seen as quite individual it's quite similar to cricket you know got a whole lot of individuals but they need to be part of a team um mm. so that's where Grant's expertise are in and I mean he's good around the office full of banter as you can imagine being a grubby cricketer
2: you know, <laughs> and I've always got some stories
1: yeah no, he's uh Love it's, that. it's good value yeah good value yeah nice
2: yeah, yeah
1: it's good and I enjoy it. I, I, I'm, I'm pleased so that's uh I'll be I'll be in that seat for a while, I think,
0: um, chipping away. Nice. Yeah. I mean, with the gig with Sky, have you got any standout matches you've been on the commentary team for or anything like that? Oh,
1: mate, um, yeah, well, I've I've had to do, um, I've done a a couple of finals, which has been, which has been good. I mean, I just, I really enjoy the commentary side. It's, it's, Yeah, you've got, a, you've got a duty to the game, you know, if there wasn't the game, you wouldn't be able to commentate and you're there to create a product that people enjoy and, and give yeah. some, there's a, there's a good balance between analysis, uh, entertainment um, and authority. You know, you've got, to, you've got to believe what you're saying if you sort of mumble through some of the, you know, very um astute rugby brains like you guys who know the game well and, and follow the game you know if you the commentators oh, not, so not on to with it, they're that gonna,
0: a great deal you know they're,
1: well they're, you guys are going to there are people and fans out there who are who are going to be watching and if you are if you're too far one way in the entertainment side then that that can really uh that could be quite divisive if you're too uh too much in the analysis that equally can be so you've got to find that yeah, balance exactly. um, but equally you've got to your job is to not judge a game your job is to turn a, a game into a good game and a good game into a great game a great game into a brilliant game and that's that's what you've got to uh, remember that you're there to entertain and, and help the people up at home and enjoy their experience around a game as opposed to sitting there and saying, well, this is, it's about me. It's got nothing to do with me. It's my job's to connect the two products. And yeah, if you're thinking that way, um, yeah, it gets a bit easier, but it does take some work. You know, you gotta make sure you've got the names right, especially at the school games. It's probably the school games that stand out more because you actually put, maybe put more work. Yeah, well, you put a lot of work into that because they record them and they'll watch them over and over. And if you get their name wrong for 80 minutes, you know that's that's not a good look, and they're because we, like <laughs> no, they're not, and their grandparents are going to record it and watch it. they you know their parents, their mates at school. So you've got to do your homework there and understand that it's that's going out probably to more people than just a, a Tasman one or two last night. You've still you don't change how you prepare, but because you see these players a lot more, um, you know, not having to probably dive in too much, and you know the names a bit more because you hear them across all sorts of uh, media a lot but the the school ones um, yeah you've got to you've got to dig into but the, some of the matches uh, a lot of them stand out like uh, you know Otago winning the Shield uh, last year up in um, at Inglewood you know having to hand they again that one having to hand that over and doing a Shield presentation sometimes the sideline guy whether it whether they like it or not, they're the presentation person if it, it changes hands. So you're kind of having to, oh man, I've got to step up here and do this. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, so that you always remember those sorts of ones. You remember finals. I remember Tasman um, uh, smacking Wellington over a few years ago now down in uh, Nelson, for, you know, really, really dominant performance there. And you, yeah, you remember all sorts of games. I remember commentating uh, O T Black's first game in Wellington at Sky oh. Stadium and then commentating his 50th. You know, um, and yeah, right. so oh, nice. when you're sort of sitting across a guy's campaign or career like that, rather, it's um you sort of you put those back in the memory and think, wow, I've actually seen quite a lot of this guy now. You know, and yeah. seeing a lot of guys doing first of Dean rugby, and now seeing them. I mean, I remember commentating. Uh, Asafa Amua at Silverstream, and um, and now looking at where he, where he is now, and a lot of these guys that you're seeing through the school system that are now superstars. Will Jordan, uh, Josh Mackay at Christchurch Boys' versus Christ College when oh, Christchurch put 80, 80, eighty points day. on them, put eighty points yeah. on them in a in a in that traditional game there, and yeah, you know, that was Will Jordan just running amok. Uh, Josh Mackay there had uh, Leroy, no, um, uh, the, the number eight who played a bit of. Um, uh, I think Nankerville was somewhere there. I mean, yeah, all these names that kind of get uh, a bit mixed into yeah. one. But you see the fine, fineganukas, yeah. Leicester and Tima, and through Nelson College, and you know all these guys that are now stars. It's it's been awesome to be sitting on a in a in a tower, freezing cold, or on a sideline watching them uh, <laughs> do what they do. But yeah, I'm still really um, uh, really lucky to do what I do for Sky and put, and put a lot of work, a lot of work into it and enjoy it.
0: Yeah, I imagine there's a fair bit of research and things go into that. Well, I can't just roll
1: yeah. up on the. And- yeah, that's right. You've got to you've got to do the work. And they, we, we're lucky with Sky; they they uh, have some really good uh, stats that come through, and they put it into a really uh, digestible format. But you've still got to make that still got to make that stat sing a little bit, right? You could just read yeah, a stat out. Yeah, you can't output. just it's read not, a stat. They can't just read a stat. It's got to be, um, and and that takes some time. They're the other. You've got to you know it's commentary is not it's not easy you've got directors in your ear you've got people talking you've got to think yeah. of uh intelligent things to say about the bloody weather um you know like there's, <laughs> there's a few different things you gotta to, gotta to do but it's you know but the other side of it is like we're all human right there sometimes you're going to make a mistake you're going to call a player the wrong name or it's going to yeah. be the wrong side and and that's uh and that's good but mate it's 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 a lot of fun and i enjoy being able to do that as well and then step out and not have that same sort of responsibility that I had with uh, New Zealand rugby or the Hurricanes
0: yeah okay. you don't want to bring out a wee catchphrase or something to your commentary to Justin Marshall <laughs> get the bumper going
1: no I, it's, 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 I'll leave those guys do that you know they they're, they're, <laughs> they're uh, I'll just keep to my um. I'll keep to my scrum stuff, mate, and the and the break foot and the the bind and the push and the all that. So that's where. Uh, if I stop talking about scrums, I think I'll be the phone won't ring anymore. So I've got to just make yeah, sure. No, we
0: need someone there to do it. Yeah, you've got to <laughs> keep glorifying
1: those. The battle within the battle, and you know,
0: so. between you and Kane Hames, we got
1: that's about all we got. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all I have got, mate. If, if there's a nine. If there's a nine, you know, four, 15, 14 down the right hand side, I'm not going to say much about that because I, I will actually, I'll say off a stable scrum. That's what I'll say, but I'll, I'll let the other guy pick yeah, up. It was the, all the, uh,
0: all the scrum that set that up.
1: Yeah, that's right, hundred percent.
0: What throw you under the bus a wee bit here? You got any uh, standout uh, people to work alongside for the right or wrong reasons, with Sky? Uh,
1: mate, no, they're all, all good. I mean, I, first, first people, I, first person I ever commentated with the first team was. Ken Laban and Carl uh, Tanana, and you know, still to this day, uh, still do a lot of work with Ken and uh, and KT, and mate, they've been really helpful for me, especially Ken. Uh, but mate, everyone's great. Like last night, um, you know, Nisbo on the call, and there's, yeah. there's, there's, there's yeah, this this. Yeah, sort of, a legend. Mate, it's just this comfort. You hear his voice, and you're like, oh, here we go. You know, it's just this comfort, yeah. immediate comfort with uh, with him. Sit back, um,
0: relax, so you got him along. Yeah,
1: so you? yeah, and it's mate, I really enjoy that chances to work with sort of a nisbo and justin and then you know you 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 go sideline where smithy sometimes is or i work with nisbo and smithy sideline just when these guys who have done so many test matches and are and so um you know i listen to smithy a lot like around his his expert commentary on the sideline like he's he's one of the best for for a reason like he's got a great eye great eye for detail and he's got a way of putting together Phrases and uh, uh, working with them all is, is a is a good buzz. And what I what I like, I mean, I was in a, you know ten years ago. I was in the same position where some of the new commentators are. So just being as helpful as possible and and being uh, generous with with time and, and feedback around things because no one's you know if you if you're not getting uh, helped, yeah, you know, it might be quite a short time in commentary. So seeing some new people come through and try and what they need to do and how they say it and you know we're it's um it's nice to be able to do that now you know having a bit more experience but you know every you're only as good as your next game right you could make a complete you've got to make sure that you're still doing it for the right reasons and the duty to the game as I say you know is uh, like the game's been really good to me um you know from a really young age and so making sure that um I've still got a duty to the game and whether it's commentary whether it's coaching kids whether it's um, you know as a supporter so that's you know I got a that's that's something that's pretty important to me
2: and you got to be careful through. what you say as well nowadays i mean we've had some incidents in the past where it's made big page media when a commentator's made the wrong comment um, yeah, and Joey right. Wheeler yep. maybe or or something similar so i guess it's yeah, probably harder no, in that gotta, sense nowadays
1: you have got to be clean yeah. yeah. yeah
2: yeah that's right tell you what though the product i'm, I'm in australia at the moment and the product between stan and and sky sport is just night and day you can't even compare the two i mean the yeah. commentators in new zealand are just so much more knowledgeable and just flows so much better but here yeah it's, a, is- it's
1: good that's right yeah, it's a good system it's it's kind of a tried and true system you know they make it make it work the way they do and everyone knows their kind of role the game caller the next voice uh, the second voice and the pitchers and the directors work really hard so when someone says something yeah, you know, the camera then goes to it, so everyone's working as a really yeah. good team. So it's um, I really, really enjoy it. So as I say, lucky to, lucky to still be in it.
2: Well, I guess we've talked a lot today, but we will finish up with some listener questions, if you wouldn't mind. Um, I've got one to start with, actually. What considering you're a sort of a commentator that goes around the country in New Zealand, what's your favourite provincial stadium that you commentate commented at?
1: Oh, that's a that's a good question. Um, favourite place to probably commentate, I would say, is Waikato Stadium. Waikato yeah, okay. Stadium is, is, is really yeah. good. It's mate, it's a uh, it's a good place to commentate. It's a sort of purpose built rugby ground. It's you're close to the action. The benches are really close. Um, yeah, that would that would be up there with my number one. Uh, and a good game
2: coming up we'll tonight discuss. as well. Good yeah, game tonight right. in
0: Waikato, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that'll be a big one. Hopefully the Argies get up again.
2: Oh, look, mate. Right. We've got a bit of an Argentinian fan here. Oh, um,
0: yeah, well. But, uh, no, nah, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I'll eat my words once this comes out after the game and no doubt we've been thumped by about 40 points. But, uh, <laughs> no, we'll take the one last week. Yeah. what uh, yeah. uh, we've well, we got touched on a couple. Uh, Gareth Green sent a question asking you, this sledge, so I mean, it could be one you've given, one you've taken. I'm sure, you've had a few, a few over the years.
1: Uh, best lead, I think. Um, I, yeah, I, this was back in the Shield game, and I think we had a really good scrum down on Auckland's line, and we we barreled them and uh, pushed them over, and I think we've sort of stood over the top of them, and I sort of got up, and Tonga was uh, so Tonga was having a whinge, and I just I asked him what colour his panties were.
0: <laughs> oh, love that. <laughs> <laughs> Did would have taken that one too well.
1: Oh, he just looked at me and tried to sort of fire up. But I, I think actually Nathan Kemp, who was the hooker from Auckland, actually laughed. So there's not much of a comeback then.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's all right then. I've got one here um, from Eli Nipkins. Could you could you get the boss to kick Kane Hames off commentary?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Oh, mate, that's the, that's the beauty about rugby, right? And you know, and, and commentary and doing what we, what, uh, we do. Yeah, it's 50% will love you, 50% will hate you. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah I, I think Kane Ames does a fairly good job. He's one of those commentators that he's pretty divis- uh, divisive, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, some people love him, some hate him. A bit like Justin Marshall.
1: Oh, yeah, and I'm sure me too, mate. You know, they'll be the same.
0: Yeah. Uh... What else have we got? I um, uh, Gareth sent in another question, actually, asking you, well, you've touched on it a wee bit, but your best and worst roommates. Oh, probably
1: they're, they're, they're both the same. <laughs> the same My
0: best roommates, uh, and
1: worst would be uh, Clayton McMillan and Paul Tupai. Uh, worst <laughs> yeah. because I was the you know, I was their washing and lady and for a week, for but best because they taught me how a lot. But
0: Certainly aren't your stripes with them. <laughs> Uh, Did you have any other questions, Toby, or I can do the closing one. All right.
2: Well, we had some technical difficulties there. I think Ben's computer might have had to restart. But the good news is that we were due to about, well, about the end of the episode anyway. So the last question we had for Ben was, who was the biggest battler you played against? So we haven't asked that one, but that's all right. We can probably ask ask him on chat and we'll get a response for you and put it in the uh, description yeah. of the episode, maybe.
0: Yeah, for now we can say he's, he's chucked himself under the bus for his laptop, for his <laughs> <one> out. <laughs> yeah. But I'm sure we'll get an answer there at some point. If not, he spoke about a lot of battler teammates along the way.
2: But anyway, that was a great episode. I thoroughly enjoyed talking to Ben. So uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And yeah, uh, what's what's coming up on the podcast next, mate?
0: Oh, we just got an answer, mate. Mark Sorensen, biggest battler he's played alongside. Oh, there you go. An exclamation mark alongside it too. So clearly, only one answer in his head. <laughs> like but it, yeah. I'm, I mean, massive thanks for Ben to coming on. I mean, in terms of future episodes, we'll get in touch with a few other players because these ones are always great fun. Due to do part two of the A to Z of best things. So that was a good laugh. As long as Huey and I don't go uh, chanting House of Pain chants this time, we'll be sweet to go.
2: (laughs) Sounds good. All right. Well, uh, thanks, everyone, for listening, and uh, we'll see you on the next episode.